Please open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. We will be reading starting at verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Please join me as we pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open up your word. Lord, as we turn our attention towards the book of Proverbs over the next few weeks, I pray that you would give us insight and understanding in ways that maybe we haven't understood before. And so, God, I pray that this morning, as we introduce the book, I pray that you'd walk beside us and before us and behind us and help us to understand what you want us to see. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So, friends, we are turning our attention from one wisdom book to another. And so, Pastor Brian just finished Uh, the series on Job called Why Winter, and now we're moving to another Old Testament wisdom book, Proverbs, which is probably the Old Testament wisdom book. Now, friends, I understand that all Scripture is God-breathed and is beneficial, it's useful for teaching and instruction, but if we're being honest with ourselves, some parts of the Bible are more helpful than others. Now, if you want to push back on me on that one a little bit, I would challenge you, then go home after church today and read uh, Chronicles chapters 1 through 9, and then compare that to Proverbs chapters 1 through 9, and then you come tell me which you find more beneficial. Proverbs speaks to virtually everything in any situation. So when I'm thinking about an opening illustration or a story or a conflict, Um, Proverbs seems to speak into all of that. So instead of sharing a story about myself and throwing myself under the bus once again, how about we take a look at the disciples? Let's um, pick on them just a little bit this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to Mark chapter 9 if you want to follow along at verse 33. It says, they, that's the disciples, and Jesus, they came to Capernaum, uh, which is the region in northern Israel. Uh, That's where Jesus grew up and did his ministry. And now at this point in the text, Jesus is far closer to the cross than he is to his baptism. Uh, It says when he, Jesus, was in the house, so they had a home base, probably um, Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus asked the disciples a question. He said, what were you arguing about on the road? And so we have to envision it was this day where the disciples and Jesus were out doing ministry. It was towards the end of the day. Now they were coming back to uh, where they would be staying. And uh, Jesus apparently wasn't exactly with them. He was maybe in front of them or behind them. But to the disciples' perception, he was outside of earshot. And they were having this conversation. That, That kind of out of earshot sort of circumstance happens to me all the time. Every time I drive a van full of youth going to some location, it's like when I sit in that seat, I become invisible to them. Uh, It's it's like they don't know that I'm there, and so I can hear their conversations. Um, If I have a van full of boys, they sit there and they start to talk about girls. And then eventually the conversation shifts towards girls. And then they continue to talk about more 
girls, and it's like I'm not even there. And so here's Jesus walking with the disciples, and they're having this conversation. And um, they're arguing with each other about which is the greatest. Now, honestly, think about that. Like having an argument with your friends about who is the best Christian, Who's the best follower of Christ? I'm a better worshiper than you. What kind of conversation is that? So that when they get back to the house, Jesus is near them and he asks them a question. He says, what were you talking about on the road? And I love their response. It was this, but they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. They didn't say anything. Why? Because they knew. (laughs) Because they understood. They knew the dangers of pride in our lives and the conversation about who's the best follower of Jesus is rooted in pride. And they were aware of that. Why? Because they probably read their Bibles. And so if I were with them and I was standing there in that moment, I'd be friends, haven't you read your Bible? Haven't you looked at what it has to say about pride and humility and how we wrestle with those two tensions? And yet if I look at my own life, I know that, well, maybe I'm not arguing with people about you know, being the best Christian, um, but I struggle with pride in my life. It happens all the time. And so these truths about life, it's like we have this slow leak It's that truth fades. It's that there's this gravitational pull towards average. And so just this idea about pride and humility, it's a great struggle for everybody. And the Bible speaks about it a ton. And God gives us books like Proverbs, which helps us to wrestle with this and to remind us these little sayings with so much meaning and instruction that speak into virtually every situation in life. And so today... The goal is introducing Proverbs in our new series. It's called Forks and Fences. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the different themes that Proverbs addresses. So we're going to look at four questions today. The first is this, what are Proverbs? The second one is this, what's the purpose of the book? Third, why wisdom? Because that seems to rise to the top. So what does wisdom have to do with it, and lastly, how can I use this book in my daily life? Because we want to make much of Scripture. So first, what are Proverbs? What are Proverbs? They're these brief, particular little expressions of truth. And so Proverbs isn't just a Christian thing. Proverbs are these quippy statements that have existed for all time. And so um, there are three criteria that I think of that help us understand what Proverbs are. Um, The first one is this. They're catchy. Uh, They're learnable. They're easy to remember, whether they're biblical Proverbs or other kind. And so let's take an English proverb, one that we're familiar with. Um, It says this, look before you leap. And we know what that means, but if we give it definition, we might say this, in advance of committing yourself impulsively to a course of action that you may regret or find rewarding depending on the circumstances and options, think about it. I much rather prefer look before you leap, I guess. It's a lot easier. Easier, catchy, learnable. How about a a stitch in time saves nine? So Ben Franklin popularized that statement. I don't actually really know what it means until I define it, which is there are certain corrective measures for minor problems from early on in a course of action, which can forestall major problems from arising. Or a stitch in time saves nine. Well, the same principle applies to Scripture. And so if you take um, 
Proverbs 16, 18, it will be the one that we'll work with today, says pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall. Or he could have written, Solomon, the inevitable consequence of lofty self-exaltation is a total shattering of what the person has and is as the totality of inward attitudes revealed by outward signs, words, and actions. I much prefer pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit, before the fall. So Proverbs are catchy. They're learnable. They're easy to remember. Proverbs are also this. Um, They're not exhaustive. They don't say everything that there is to say about a truth, but they point us to truth, and they're rooted in truth. So Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall. Now what we do know is this, not every prideful person we know falls. Not every prideful person is destroyed. Sometimes I know prideful people who um, prosper. Um, They succeed. Uh, They do really, really well. Um, They're not self-destructive in any way. Uh, They seem to prosper in life. But the truth of the proverb is this, that those who have self-destructed And that those who have fallen, you can always point to and look at pride being the source and a cause behind that. And we can see it when it happens. And we shouldn't be surprised when that happens. So Proverbs are easy. Proverbs um, aren't exhaustive to truth, but they point us to truth. And the last criteria is this, they're for everyone. And so Proverbs are for everyone. Verse 4 said a young man. Verse 5 of Proverbs 1 said, the wise. And so you have the spectrum from the young to the seasoned. Proverbs are for everyone. Question 2, what's the purpose of Proverbs? Why did God put this book in the Bible? Why does he have it there for us? Do you know where it comes from? Why it starts? This, parenting is hard. That's what Proverbs is about. It's a book written from a parent to a child. And so it's like the ultimate parenting book. And, and, and as parents, and if you're a parent of teens, oh man, you worry about this stuff. And God has given us this gift, Proverbs, to help us. And so the overarching theme of Proverbs is get wisdom. He says get understanding. See, life is a tension, and we live in it between wisdom and folly. That's the language of Proverbs. And so it's forks and fences. That's the theme that we're using. It's forks because we're talking about paths, paths of wisdom and folly, path of prosperity and destruction, a path of life and a path of death. And we all stand at these forks in the road in all circumstances, at all times in life, at every decision that we have to make, and we have to determine which one are we going to traverse. So Proverbs are truth that are from a loving father to his son, and it's rooted in experience. It's pattern recognition. It's, it's, it's like, don't do what I did. Learn from my mistakes. But Proverbs in the Bible is more than that. Because it's God's truth. It's not rooted in mistakes. And so God the Father, you can see a picture, is walking behind his son, behind his children, with his hands on their shoulders, and just walking them along life. And we come to the forks in the road, and he's helping to nudge down the good path, the path of life. 
the path of prosperity, the path of wisdom. But it's also um, a book of fences. It's a book of guardrails that life is dangerous and we're going to wander because we're going to explore things and we're going to wander a little bit to the right and a little bit too far to the left and sometimes we're going to veer so far to one side we come right up to that fence, right up to that guardrail and if we pass over it, we cross over. It's perilous and it's destructive. And so God the Father nudges us along and he gives us fences to help guide us as we walk along and make these decisions. Let me give you an example. So, I am a dad of a teenager. Two of them, in fact. And parenting teens is incredibly humbling and incredibly challenging. And, um, and now I know. And so, um, let's take a circumstance like this. Uh, we have cell phones in our family. In fact, our family owns three. I own three. I use one. My wife uses one. And my 14-year-old son uses a cell phone as well. Now, he uses the colloquial term, my phone, but it's my phone because I pay for it, and we have that understanding. Like, we've talked about it. It's cool. Now, let's say as a loving father, I find some illicit material on his phone. Now, this is truly hypothetical. I asked him, can I make up this story or this illustration? He's like, yep, go ahead. So this is not true to my son. Uh, This is hypothetical. But let's say I find illicit material on there. Um, Something that makes me nervous, makes me uneasy. Maybe something that would be rooted in the the camp of sin in some sort of way. So as a loving father, I'm not going to ignore that kind of stuff. I'm going to come beside behind my son by his shoulders and I'm going to nudge him along and, and I'm going to help him hopefully choose the right path and, and, and we'll work towards those fences. And so I might talk about the different paths that we could take, that there's forks in the road. And so I might look at Proverbs chapter 6. It says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothing being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? The answer is no, he can't. Can we use a cell phone and go to places that we know we shouldn't and we're not going to get hurt? No, you can't. There's forks. It's the right choice, the wise choice, the choice of life, or it's a destructive choice. It's a dangerous path. Then I talk to my son about fences. Flip the page to Proverbs 7, it would seem fitting. It says, many are the victims she's brought down. Who's she? Well, in this case, it's the cell phone, right? Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave. I talk about the fences, and if we cross over them, it's destructive, it's perilous. And so we'd have a conversation about strengthening our fences, making them a little tighter, a little bit higher, a little bit stronger. And we'll talk about it, and then we'll do something about it. Folks, wherever we go, Proverbs walks with us. And so if we go to work, Proverbs comes along with us. When we go to school, Proverbs is there beside us. When we come to church on Sundays, we can bring Proverbs along. When we go to the bank to do our finances, Proverbs is there. Whether we're at the movie theater, on vacation, we're in social media, Excuse me. We're at our friend's house, or we're on the school bus, or we're surfing the World Wide Web, or we're living in residence halls, or we're in our own room. Proverbs will walk with us, 
and it will walk with us in all of life and for all of life. What's the purpose of Proverbs? Why did God give it to us? In his words, he says this, verse two, first it's for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight. It's to know, it's to understand, to to see and understand a little bit of life, how God intended it and how he had ordered it. It's to, to see into situations. Maybe that we could start to understand it. Maybe that this crazy world would make sense. So Proverbs, the purpose is for understanding and, verse 3, it's for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, here it is, doing what is right and just and fair. And so Proverbs is knowing and understanding, and it's the prudent behavior, it's the doing. It's to live truth out. It's that wisdom is applied knowledge. And you know what the difference is between the, the, the wise person and the fool? See, I think they know. I think they both know. The difference is the fool knows truth, but he doesn't live it out because he doesn't care. And so the purpose of Proverbs is to know what God intended for us and then to live that truth out practically. So it begs the third question. What's wisdom have to do with it? What does wisdom have to do with it, meaning life? And a person could argue, and I think Proverbs makes the point, it's everything. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so understanding, knowledge, wisdom starts with fear. Fear. What, what does that mean? What's behind that? What's the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is this. It's a recognition that God is God and I am not and I really, really need him. And starts with this idea of like God is God, I am not. And so when I recognize who God is, that he is a God who is full of majesty and and a God of of worthiness and glory and and holiness in, in light of who I am, and my sinful self, it causes me to, to shrink back a little bit. Like it's a healthy kind of fear. But because of that, I know I really need him. That without him, I have no hope. And I'm absolutely dependent on who he is. And so that recognition makes me want to draw near. And so I shrink back at his worthiness. But I, I need him and I want to draw near. What is this? It's worship. It's worship. It's the natural posture. It's awe. It's a healthy fear in who God is. And so it's from this place of worship, that's where wisdom, that's where understanding are truly forged. And so in Bible speak, wisdom, this side of Jesus, and knowing Jesus means I know Jesus. It means I need Jesus. And so 1 Corinthians chapters 1, chapters 2, they make this case and they talk about the wisdom of God in Christ. It's the gospel. It uses this language, Christ crucified. It is the power of God and it is the wisdom of God. And so Proverbs 1 also says, the fool despises this wisdom. What is the fool really doing? He's rejecting Christ. He's rejecting God. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And it starts with a worship and an awe in our Creator. Friends, wisdom has everything to do with it. So the last question is this, how can I use this book in my daily life? All right, well, track with my thought here. This world around us is God's creation, and it's good. He created it all through a spoken word. And within his creation, he didn't just create stuff, but he created an order. And there's an ethic to it. And in establishing order, there's also a moral dimension. And so we act, and there are consequences, both good and bad. And that is a predictable relationship. We just kind of know what the result of what path we're going to go down. Which fork are we headed down? And to disregard God's good order is the height of arrogance and foolishness. So the first step in living this stuff, these truths out, is to acknowledge that God is author. (laughs) It's the issue of pride and humility. Because if God is not the author, or I'm full of some sort of pride, then I place myself above him, that is not a good place to be. That's the fool. So we acknowledge that God is author. We surrender to him in humility. And that's kind of the beginning of getting it of this life. Step two is this, then we ask for wisdom. And God wants to give you wisdom. And so his little brother James wrote this in verse five of chapter one of James, said if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. God wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you more wisdom. He wants to shower you with wisdom and pour it out on top of you because he wants you to see How else do we live this out? Step three is this. First, we acknowledge that he's author. Number two, we ask for wisdom, and then we seek wisdom. How? That's Proverbs. That's the book of Proverbs. That's why God placed it in the Bible for us. Honestly, 31 chapters, really? Like, does someone just make that up? Is that just kind of chance? Or is it intended that a person could read a proverb a day, every day, once there every month for the entire rest of their life. Why? Because vision leaks, because we forget this stuff. And so we read Proverbs, we meditate on Proverbs, we memorize Proverbs because we can, because they're short and quippy and learnable and easy. And then we use it. So I might go to my first century disciple friends and say, you won't even talk about the conversation you're having because you were arguing about who's the greatest, like who's the best follower of Jesus. So I would probably take out my phone and I could Google Proverbs, pride, and humility. And I would get a scripture dump right there on my phone. You don't even need a concordance anymore. The books are clunky. Now you can just use your phone and Google. And I'd take out some Proverbs and I'd look, say, look, friends, look at the first one that popped up. It's Proverbs 8, verse 13. It says, I hate pride and arrogance. That's the first thing God says about it. That's a pretty strong statement. But then God goes on in Proverbs 11:2 and it says, "When pride comes, then disgrace." And you feel it, don't you? Because you don't want to have that conversation. You don't want to tell Jesus how you feel. What is that? That's disgrace. It's shame. 
And then we're back to Proverbs 16, 18. It says, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before the fall. That tells us what we need to know about pride. But the next verse, in verse 19, says, better to be lowly in spirit with a humble heart. And so we see there's forks in the road. Proverbs 15, 33 says, humility comes before honor. Don't you want to be honorable? You are honorable. Humility comes before that. Proverbs 22, 4 says, humility is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. It's that healthy fear. It's the relationship with him. See, Proverbs is rich on teaching instruction with the dangers and pitfalls of pride and the beauty of humility. And and in this case, anyways, Jesus just gets to be Jesus. He's kind of contrarian. So I would pull up Proverbs and walk him through it. Um, He takes on the posture of a teacher. And so if we flip back to Mark chapter 9, it says, sitting down, that's him being a teacher. We don't get the sense that he's upset at him. He's not disappointed. He's not angry. We have Jesus filled with grace. And like a loving father taking his son by the shoulders, he does something we don't get to do. He writes his own proverb. So Mark chapter 9, verse 35, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. Folks will never understand the depth and the danger and what happens when we wander down wrong paths and we take the wrong fork. The tension between pride and humility. What it means to fall over the guardrail until we see things the way God sees them. Right? We'll never get money unless we see it the way God sees it. We'll never understand marriage or intimacy. We'll never really understand parenting. Certainly not parenting teens. And we'll never understand work and the relationships there and our parallel relationships with friends. And we'll never get the power of speech. We'll never really understand sex until we see it the way God sees it. And we understand it the way God sees it. Until we see things the way God sees them, then stuff starts to make sense. And then it starts to fall into place. Things start to work out because this is God's good creation. Uh, He designed it with that order and that ethic and that moral dimension. And human nature is we're going to forget and stuff is going to leak. And so he gives us Proverbs. Proverbs, God's wisdom. Grace for all of us. Available for all of us each day, every single day. And so the series for the next few weeks is Forks and Fences, it's Lessons from Proverbs. I think it'll be a fun series. Uh, We're going to hear from lots of different voices, and we're going to talk about some really relevant topics, from alcohol to parenting. Uh, We're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about sex. So don't go on vacation. Like, cancel your flights or your plans. You'll want to stick around. It's going to be good. So let me close us by reading uh, from Proverbs to you, a proverb over you, of Proverbs chapter 4, and then I'll pray. So Proverbs 4, starting at verse 5. It says, Get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words, or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. 
Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it cost you everything that you have. Let's pray. Gracious God, um, I know Isaiah reminds us that we are all like sheep and have gone astray, and each of us has the tendency to turn and go our own way. Yet you are the loving Father. You're full of grace and truth, and you offer us this gift, your Proverbs, which is your wisdom and instruction, and it helps us and guides us every day of our life. Uh, Lord, we ask that you create in us a hunger or a desire to not only know your truth, but a passion to live it out. So thank you uh, for this good gift. And we ask, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us more wisdom. And if there is even a hint of pride, remove it from us. Humbly, we seek you in all things. So take us by the shoulders and move us by your spirit in a way that is good, pleasing, and honoring in your eyes. And so we ask this today and every day and pray all of this in your son's perfect, precious, and holy name. His name is Jesus. Amen.